The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello there, I'm your host Peter Strachan. Welcome to Stockheads Rock Yarn. A couple of weeks ago I had the pleasure to visit an amazing engineering and construction complex at Henderson, just a few kilometres south of Fremantle on the coast of Western Australia. The company I visited was ASX listed Civmec Limited, whose site and especially its massive construction shed is so big that I'm sure it can be seen from outer space. The company does a lot of work that most Australians might think is only done at engineering yards located in places like South Korea or Thailand. But no, this is an Australian treasure offering turnkey solutions to the oil and gas, metals and minerals, infrastructure, marine, defence, water and energy markets. To tell us about CIVMEC, I'm delighted to introduce its Chief Executive Officer, Patrick Tallon. Pat, can you tell us about the career path that led you and your business partner, CIVMEC's Executive Chairman, James Fitzgerald, to form CIVMEC? Yeah, uh, thanks for the opportunity, Peter. And um, of course, uh, happy to talk about the history of Sibmec and how we came to be where we are right now today. I mean, uh, Jim and I are, are both of a, of a trade background. Um, so um, I was in disciplines of uh, carpentry and that type of a civil type construction. Uh, Jim's was more metalwork type trades and, uh, and heavy engineering. So uh, we got to know each other over the years and um, then saw an opportunity that we could actually um deliver to the client a, a full term key solution provision um, on our on our projects so we really felt with the with the disciplines and capabilities that we had that we could um, we could get, we could fix a lot of the clients problems that they were having with interface of different disciplines across across their projects so we felt it was an opportunity to get together and uh, and build Civmec up to what it is today yeah, so how did the business start up and where did you begin? Well, I mean, uh, I came to Australia and, um, in about a little bit over about 21, 22 years ago. Jim was here longer than that. Um, when I came over to Australia, I started up a, a civil business with a family member with a brother. Um, so, and then Jim, at the meantime, had a large engineering facility in Quinana. And, they, and that was a growing business. Um, we were trying to um, develop a civil business and we got in touch with Jim, who, came on, who uh, joined up. Basically, we bought Civmec at that time from ASX listed VDM, uh, and we saw that opportunity to grow that business to give us uh, the, the civil component and uh, uh, plan on the heavy engineering facilities that we have here at Henderson now and see could we grow that across the country, which we have done. Um, so, yeah, we, so we felt that was an opportunity for us to go there. So Civmec's been growing quite rapidly over the last uh, couple of years. What sort of work can you can you tell us the sort of uh, clients that you're working with and the sort of uh, projects that you're most proud of i guess i mean uh, the the whole idea of the business from day one we set up a bit of a plan of where we would where what kind of projects and what sort of clients we would target we are um, obviously always targeting to be a, a tier one contractor that's always been our, our goal and um, we were lucky enough to secure some work uh, our initial jobs once we had the main uh, workshop facility built. At the, before the workshop facility was built, we picked up some work with Rio Tinto for some civil projects up uh, in the Pilbara. And then once we had the facility built here at Henderson, uh, we picked up some work for a BHP at, at uh, Port Hedland uh, in our harbour project. And we also were successful in securing some work for Chevron on the on the Gorgon project. Uh, we had been doing a large amount of precast for 
for Gorgon and then we picked up some um, fabrication and modular assembly and stuff for, for that same project. So from there, it continued to grow proudly to say that we have like a companies, you know, clients such as uh, BHP, Roy Hill, FMG as key clients of ours in the in the resources area in oil and gas. We uh, a lot of work for you know, on on Chevron projects and on Woodside projects, and uh, even securing some long term contracts and service agreements with the likes of Woodside. But we have been working for for Gorgon really since inception, or for for Chevron since inception. So big clients, and and you even did the bridge to the new Perth Stadium. I, I hear. Yeah, I guess in about 2014 or 15, we saw that opportunity to um to get into infrastructure. So we we built um we supplied and erected all the steel at the Perth Stadium. We did the Matagara Bridge that connected um the 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 Perth Stadium to East Perth, which was a great achievement because it was a job that was been done uh, initially overseas and it was brought back here to Australia by the new government at the time. And we were able to deliver it in a very short period of time and a very high quality product um, and, and sort of um, satisfy the requirement for capacity requirements at the stadium. But I have to say we're very proud of the, the kids bridge um, that was recently done at, at uh, up, in, up in the up around Kings Park. And that was a, you know, it's an important um, children's hospital. Yeah. Iconic bridge, the children's yeah. hospital. Yeah, so. That's great. And I, I look, it, it gives a, the, the listener an idea of the size and the scale of project. I know when I visited, there was a, uh, a ship loader, one of these big loaders that loads coal or iron ore or I don't know, grain or whatever. I mean, it's a massive piece of kit that you're building in Perth and it goes on a, on a boat around to, to Newcastle when it's finished. Yeah, it actually goes up to um, to Hay Point in Queensland, so it goes yeah. the whole way up, up. But I mean, we've done a few of these uh, material, major material handling equipment uh, before ship loaders and uh, stackers and reclaimers um, here in Australia, which traditionally, you know, for a long period of time have have been done overseas. So it's nice to see that work coming back. We're doing a, a very significant package of work right now for Hay Point, also for 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 BHP Mitui. And we're doing the Haypoint uh, Wharf, so uh, huge, huge uh, beams and large fabrication, very heavy engineering, so stuff that you would not traditionally see being done here in Australia. And it's great to see it back here, and and those clients having confidence in us being able to deliver on their on their projects for them. You know. Yeah, I think your annual report. Uh, said that you had just over a billion dollars of work in your order book at, uh, at that time. So, I mean, uh, happy to say that we've been been able to maintain that that uh, order book above that one billion dollars. Obviously, you know, projects uh, tend from tendering to awards, you know, can vary in length depending on the client or depending on the size of the project. So, um, you know, there's there's uh, cycles of where you know, you're waiting on on potential awards. But um, right, you know, right now as we speak, we're still maintaining that order book above the billion dollars. So. Fantastic. So, Pat, I guess from an investment point of view, maintaining a decent profit margin is always critical for an engineering service provider. So how does a company ensure that each job it delivers has a good profit margin? Look, I mean, it goes back to, uh, number one, uh, trying to be as a... as clever as you can when you're tendering and come up with methodologies that you can do the job as in a cost-effective way for your clients. So, um, you know, you, you know, you have to build up trust with your client that you can deliver the job. That's and then they ask you to invite, they invite you to tender. But obviously, it's a competitive market, so we're always looking for efficiencies and how we can do it better. And um, but yet not not taking on too too big an element of risk that we that we make sure that we can actually deliver. So it's about tendering it properly. It's about making sure you've ticked as many of the boxes as you go through that process. And then when you get onto the job, it's making sure you procure 
properly and uh, put the right people on the job uh, as best you can and and make sure you can cons- consistently deliver on the job. We have some very good tracking systems for both our procurement and for our people management on site, making sure we're watching uh, time uh, and progress of jobs very, very closely and, and basically engaging with clients. If you have a good relationship with a client and there's something happening on the job as far as a, a requirement they might have, it's it's a matter of um, you know being upfront with them and, and recognizing any change so that they know that change is going to potentially have a cost impact and, uh, and trying to get that sorted out very quickly with them in the yeah. early. So um, and I noticed, um, you know, there's a lot of steel going into the things that you build and the price of steel is going up. I also saw some very high-tech uh, piping, which is copper and nickel, and, of course, the price of copper has doubled, the price of nickel has doubled. Um, when you are bidding, are you able to to put in some sort of price clause or can you get the the client to, to actually buy the materials and then you just uh, charge them for the putting it all together and the services that you provide? Or how does that work in terms of ensuring that, you know, if you bid for something and the price of the the steel or the price of the copper or the, you know, the wiring goes up, how can you pass that on to the client? Well, look, it varies in, in across different sectors and across different projects. Obviously, some of the oil and gas projects in particular, some of the piping that requirement are long lead items, so the client has already procured it and free issued it to us um, in that sector. In resources and in infrastructure, we find that um, we need to buy the materials as part of our scope of work. We generally, with some of the major commodities, such as steel, as you pointed out, we would, we would, have, we would try to put, have long-term agreements with the suppliers. We do, we do uh, use Australian supply chain for, um, for, the, for sourcing our materials, so the bulk of our, our steel is, is produced in Australian mills. So we have long-term relationships with them, and we try to set up long-term agreements. If it's a, if it's a case that we need to go outside that agreement, and um, we generally try and um, have a project-specific pricing uh, for a job, so they'll honour that pricing for the duration of a job. And then on top of that, some contracts where we can, and we feel there's some volatility in the market, we will have uh, try and ensure there's a rise and fall clauses within the contract to cover those uh, rises and falls as they might occur. Yeah. I mean, sort of. Uh, Probably at this point in time, more of the risk is around resources because resources are very constrained in in Western Australia in particular at the moment. So when that occurs, you see price rises and wage rises. rises. So we try to control that as much as we can. We obviously have agreements um, with our employees at the commencement of a job, but if we're watching the market all the time, watching what our peers are doing and try to make sure that we're paying adequately to get the best people on our jobs. So who would be your peers in the industry or or, or your competitors, the, the people that you're watching? I, I mean, like, in you know, we are very multidisciplined, as we've, as we've mentioned already. In the civil uh, concrete type space, I guess we'd be up, up against the likes of uh, a CPB or an NRW, those kind of, and then there would be, there's some strong private companies in that range, in that space as well, that operate here, particularly in the Pilbara and have, have a very strong track record of delivery. In the SMP space, I guess Monodelphus would certainly be someone that we would compete quite regularly with. And um, uh, we would also, the likes of a UGL and these type of companies, uh, we would, we would, uh, we would uh, tender against. Um, in electrical, we tend to do our electrical division tends to be for our own projects, so we're not out there necessarily tendering standalone electrical packages. But we would be, you know, uh, doing work against the likes of a Southern Cross Electrical, those kind of companies for that space. In in the heavy engineering and manufacturing 
I think it's fair to say we would be by substantially the biggest uh, heavy engineering and have the biggest workshops. But there are some some very good local um, fabricators and uh, that we would compete against on on certain projects as well. So that's a bit of a, a rundown of, of who we compete against. So I know in in looking at other engineering companies through my career, uh, talking to engineers, they they have a a target hit rate for the the jobs that they uh, tender on. So, and I think one company said if they were winning more than twenty five percent of the jobs they tendered on, they had to really uh, say they're probably underpricing. And if they won less than twenty five percent, then they needed to sharpen their pencil and be a bit bit, bit more competitive. Does Civmec run like that, or are your jobs so big and lumpy that it doesn't? really matter no i think i think uh, it's a it's pretty true across the board a 25 percent hit ratio is is what we would be factoring i think we would have um slightly different to some of the others in that we would we would have very targeted projects that we would want to win and we have a very high success rate on the ones that we really feel are right fit and when i say a, a target project for us would be something that uses as many of the disciplines as we possibly can so we like a full term key solution project where we'll come in and do the civil concrete works. We will fabricate for that job. We will modularize an assembly and send the material to site. We will do the SMP and the electrical and then assist in the commission of support at the back end. So they, they would be a type of projects that we would predominantly target. A lot has to do with the client at the time. That's, that's, you know, so we would, you know, like, we like to work for clients that are big enough to um to be to be to be good to work with and, and understand the the high quality the value of the high quality product that we that we give to them and then it would also be around timing of other projects coming off it's 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 very hard to keep it even all the time when you especially when you're involved in major projects to make sure you keep your yeah. people you know we we very much have a model of direct hire you know where we do use subcontractors but we try to ensure uh, most of our people on our sites are civmec employees we do that for several reasons particularly around the culture of the business and around make sure that people understand you know what civmec is all about um, and, and have a true vested interest in in the success of a project and james james was telling me that you you know you take on a lot of uh uh cadets and uh people who are you know doing trades there as well we have well over a hundred between apprenticeships and pre-apprenticeships and grad people going through young young people going through grad programs as well well in excess of a hundred people uh, he, uh, here at Civmec um, in that in that phase. I think we should have around eighty apprentices at this point in time across multiple disciplines. I mean, it's very yeah. it's something that's passionate that Jim and I are passionate about, both being of a trade background ourselves, and we know the future of our business is on ensuring that more and more people are coming into the business and the young people are. Look, some of them are really, really good. They're offering huge amount, a lot of enthusiasm, and and bringing new ideas to the table as well. So we see a huge benefit. Yeah, I would have thought the pandemic, in a way, might have played into your favour because a lot of clients uh, who might have thought to get something built in Thailand or in South Korea or in China uh, be actually quite happy to have it built locally, where they could keep their hands and eyes uh, on on the job. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, we were trending that way anyway, Peter, to be honest. I mean, our clients were starting to see, you know, the very mature clients were starting to see the true value of being able to do it locally anyway. Definitely the pandemic has, in some in some areas, accelerated that viewpoint because they, they actually see, you know, we're helping them out with a shortfall of not being able to get the product from overseas. We're helping them out and they're seeing that true benefit of that. And look, 
it's up to us as a business to continue to bridge that gap, and we have done that. So we are the, the gap is still there, but it's a, certainly a hell of a lot more bridge than it was when we started yeah. off. You know, so we just have to keep working hard on that. So, um, Pat, just for the listeners' sake, can you just outline the recent uh, sort of financial history of the company in terms of its revenue and profit growth over the last couple of years? So last year, um, look, I mean, uh, 2018, I guess we, we we sort of had a very strong focus on. We were developing the facility here at Henderson. We knew we were pumping a lot of money into that, um, and 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 uh, we felt we wanted to build up a really strong platform for a sustainable business going forward. Um, and uh, you know, uh, then we we focused on that time about having a nice steady growth on revenues, and then and uh, and making sure we maintained a good profit margin. So last year we did deliver. At six hundred and seventy-five million dollars, with um, with with about um, with a seventy, almost a seventy-four million EBITDA and a net net profit of thirty-four point six million dollars. So um, a good increase on on the previous year, um, and 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 uh, certainly on the on the few years before that, uh, significant improvement over the years. So the business is looking to continue to grow, ready revenue steady. Um, and but it's very very focused on ensuring that bottom line margin is maintained or improved as we go forward. And so you've got about yeah that was about seven cents a share or a little bit over wasn't it in the earnings last year? Um, seven point three or something like that. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I think earnings per share were about almost seven, about six point nine four from from memory. Okay, about seven, about yeah. seven cents per share. Yeah. So on the previous year it, it had pretty well doubled. It was about um, I think about three point five one the previous year, so pretty well double. On the earnings per share, and and in turn, then we were able to give uh, double our dividend return to our shareholders as well. You know, so yeah, so two cents a share for the last year. Yeah. Oh well, that's fantastic. And what sort of intellectual property does CVL has has it established over the years, and how how does the business fund itself? Well, I think um, one of the the prime bits of what we would call IP that we have is our SivTrack system. So it's basically a tracking system for materials for progress for man hours versus the progress it's basically our centralized business management system that we use on a regular basis to try and track where we're going we've always said early detection allows us to make changes to ensure that we that we can return profits at the end of the job and deliver a good job to our client so that's probably our prime piece of IP that we have it's it's a it's our clients love it they have access to it and the client for example through our fabrication facility they can track a piece of material going through the shop which assists them when they talk about change and everything else in in a design and everything they can they can identify if it's already gone through the process it's too late to make that change etc but it gives them good transparency and it also gives us good transparency over what's going on across the board well, that's fantastic. Uh, Pat, look, just finally, as we wrap up, can you? I'd just like to ask you, what keeps you awake at night about the business and where would you see the most opportunity for growth locally, overseas, renewable power, whatever? Firstly, I think uh, I think I have to speak honestly and say the biggest concern I have is about, our, is about our employees to make sure that they're safe on the jobs and we're hiring the best people we can, we're training them as good as we can, we're giving them the tools and equipment to deliver a job safely. So that's that's my that's that's one thing that always concerns me is to make sure we're doing everything we can to ensure the safety and well being of our people, both physically and mentally. I think um look we, we as a business we're very focused on making sure we're involved in both public spend and in private spend. So in the resources and energy in, in the private spend, in infrastructure and defense type work uh, in the public spend, because that uh, certainly helps us to ensure that we're going to get good utilization out of our 
facilities and make sure that you know we can ma- we can manage the cycles better. So I see opportunity for growth in capital works and maintenance a lot, and see a lot of opportunities in infrastructure. Uh, on top of the major projects that we're doing in oil and gas and resources. And then obviously, you know, it's common knowledge what the government are, prom- are committed to do here in Western Australia for our shipbuilding and sustainment. And we're, we're well located to be a huge part of that, um, that requirement, that sovereign shipbuilding and sustainment requirement that the Department of Defence have for the, for the nation. Fantastic, Patrick. Look, I think we've, we've absolutely whetted people's appetite and, uh, when you come out with your half yearly result, we'll get you back in and you can just tell us how you're going. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's a fantastic, you know, Australian, not only Australian, but Western Australian story as well. So thanks for coming in to Stockhead today. Thank you very much, Peter.